Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. This week, we're going to dive into something that we see with most, if not all of our clients as part of the process of creating change with ADHD, and that is grief. Now, what does grief have to do with ADHD? Well, I'll tell you. Most of my clients come to me in a place of grief. They've been recently diagnosed with ADHD, and there is this initial wave of relief this feeling of, oh, okay, so there are real reasons why I struggle in the ways that I struggle. And then they go out to the resources that we talked about when we were discussing our metaphor, looking at the lunch counter help desk, sort of trying on different canned ADHD strategies, and they don't make any progress. So then they come to me wondering, am I ever going to be able to be quote unquote normal? And the answer is no. We do not have neurotypical brains. We are neurodiverse people. We can learn to leverage and work with our brains, but we can never be neurotypical. And so most of my clients come to me sort of disappointed in that answer. They're hoping that I had the magic pill or the thing that could make them operate in the neurotypical world as a neurotypical. And so our first order of business is to work through that, to start to get to this ownership place. That is foundational work that Cam and I do with our clients each and every day. So today we're going to dive into what that grief looks like and what it looks like to start to step out of that into ownership. I so appreciate where you're starting today, Shelley, because I see a very similar thing with my clients. Is this, they've come to the lunch counter, They've tried some things. They've made some progress, but things have not changed to the degree that they thought they would. And there is this desire to kind of like, you know, just make things regular, make them right. Let's get back to some how it's supposed to be. And in there is this grief. And there's been a lot of research on grief around loss. And there's actually, there's a real close corollary between loss and change. That when we are forced to create change, there is a grief process that is associated with that, that is very similar to losing a loved one. It's this inflection point of coming to a place where what worked or what you thought worked in the past no longer works going forward. It's a matter of setting down certain things, certain rules, and picking up new ones. And so you have to let go of certain things and pick up new ones to move forward. And that is really tough. It's tough for the human being. It's also particularly tough for the individual with ADHD. And we're going to explore that today. Listeners, I think it's also really important to state that when we're talking about grief, We're not talking about grief in the traditional sense, meaning we're not talking about a process you go through once as if you were grieving the loss of a loved one. This is something that's going to come up again and again for you as a person with ADHD. There's that initial grief, grieving for your past self after diagnosis, wondering what might have been different if you would have only known. 
But then with my clients, I see it come up again as we start to dive into their lived experience. Coaching is a process of examining and learning from one's own lived experience. And as we look back on things and glean this really important learning that allows us to move forward, there's also this sense of grief for those past experiences in the past self about, wow, if I would have known whatever this learning was about my unique brain wiring, this could have been a very different experience. So it's not something that you just get through once and you're done. It's something that's going to come up again and again as you do your own work, as you start to get to causation for your uniquely wired ADHD brain. You're going to look back on those experiences and see them differently because you're going to be able to see what happened here. How could I have done this differently? How could I have had a different experience? And gosh, what if I would have known that I could have a different experience back then. So I appreciate how we're contextualizing grief here around ownership and this process, this process that you're not going to go through it just once. Ownership is about acceptance. And in any grief cycle, the last stage of grief is acceptance. Acceptance for us is really tough. And there's a couple reasons why. So first of all, it's this thing about ADHD, that ADHD is still not understood. It's still not accepted in all circles. It's one of these sort of fascinating phenomenons that people are like, well, I can't see it and it doesn't impact me. Therefore, I question if it exists or not, kind of like climate change. So you've got this sort of external factor going on of it's not accepted in the world. So when you go and explore this thing and you're like, I think I have ADHD. That those around us are, they're not ready for change either. Like, I don't know. I don't know. You think so? I, sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I forget things. With ADHD, it's about frequency and degree. That it's debilitating. It really impacts our ability to make things happen. So there's that acceptance externally. Then there's this internal acceptance piece. I was thinking about this over the last week. We're talking about grief and this grief process and moving to ownership and acceptance. This is a heavy executive function process because acceptance is about getting to a place of kind of finality or closure. What was, was, and what is, is different moving forward. As I said, it's an inflection point. It's almost like a completion point to come and say, okay, what I knew doesn't work anymore and I need to move forward and accept this for how it is. Those of us with ADHD, what do we do? We're always looking for like, oh, maybe if I just try this or, you know, tomorrow may be different. That kind of deal-making or like, ah, if, if only, if only we got to put things in a certain way in our mind and in our environment around us that we can be neurotypical or not have this thing. So there's another piece with respect to your unique brain wiring, is your unique brain wiring is not helping you here through this process of grief. And that grief can also be super intense. With our emotional dysregulation, the pain can be extremely painful. So as you do this, to do this with someone who is supportive, whether they're a professional or they're a friend, don't do this alone, number one. Number two, 
Shelly and I talk about this sort of portal. There is a pain portal here. The good thing about that is it's a portal. It's something we pass through. It's better on the other side. It's better with learning and community and understanding. But there's a little bit of your own work to be done here. And that's kind of moving through this grief process to acceptance. When we talk about acceptance, this is really a perspective shift. It's not something that Cam and I can give to you. It's not something that I can give to my clients. It's stepping out of the old pattern of trying to pass as neurotypical and stepping into a new understanding that your brain is wired differently, that certain things about navigating the neurotypical world are going to remain challenging, but that you can choose to work with your brain rather than against it. And Cam, I have a client that had a great metaphor that I'd like to share as she was starting to step out of grief into acceptance. So this particular client, we had a bit of a shaky start because she was looking for quick solutions. And so we had some work to do to change her perspective around what is coaching and what can it provide for you? Because I'm not here to help you with quick solutions. I'm here to help you create change over time. And so in one particular session, I went back to a big agenda metaphor that I use. So listeners, if you haven't listened to the big agenda episode, to give you a brief summary, what a coaching big agenda is, it's my client's bigger reason for coming to coaching. It's looking for the positive outcomes It's looking toward what is the more powerful version of themselves that they are becoming. So rather than linking our coaching work simply to the pain that they want to be free from, we're linking it toward these positive outcomes, this more powerful version of self, this brighter future. So when I present the idea of a big agenda to my clients, I use the metaphor of a house. I tell them that if achieving their big agenda of getting to this place is like building a house... So once we've gotten there, we're putting the finishing touches on the inside and it's all done. That our first three to six months of coaching are really laying down a solid foundation. So with this client, we went back to the metaphor of big agenda and house. And she said, oh my God, I now see what I have been doing my whole life. I don't build a house. I build a facade, like on a movie set. Where from the front, it looks like a house, but all you got to do is step around the side to see that there's nothing there. I've been building facade after facade after facade for my entire life. That is how I've been functioning. And that was a key awareness for her because that allowed her to see the behavior for what it was, that it was never going to serve her in a bigger way. She was never going to get where she wanted to go building facades. And then we were able to start to really step into the work of creating change. I love that story. There's some language here that I want to share. It's that in psychological terms, acceptance, there's a term here. It's, it's assent to the reality of the situation. It just, I think it rings so true for us is getting to that place of the reality of the situation is so difficult for us with these executive function breakdowns. It has us down in the valley in the dark, trying to find our way out, trying to assemble our stove to make things happen, to get through our day. It also reminds me of, again, how 
it's so difficult to actually just see the change that needs to happen. She thought the reality was the facade. So it comes to, again, this understanding, this awareness of what is really going on so that we are making this pilgrimage to the lunch counter, to really investigating your own lived experience, to be curious about reality, to distinguish between what you're perceiving and what is real. And finding people around you who are supportive to give you positive feedback, accurate feedback, that you can start to build your catalog that we referred to or you referred to a couple of sessions ago. This index of learnings that we can draw upon. The serenity prayer from 12-step programs, I think there's a key element in there that's why it's so difficult for change for people with ADHD. So the serenity prayer is, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's that last part, which is the difficult part for us. You say wisdom, I I just put in the executive functioning to know the difference. Because what do we do? We lump, we lump and swirl and stir. It's all this, this soup of emotion and feelings and thoughts and what could have been and what should have been. And being able to pull that apart takes executive function to really distinguish what I can control and what I can't. And so often we're dabbling in these valleys of trying to create change around things that are not changeable. They're beyond our ability to change. And that's the maddening, frustrating part of living with ADHD. So when you're able to kind of start to identify what are the elements that we can change? And that's what we do in coaching is we start to distinguish that and identify going forward as opposed to making this suffering go away. What is the positive we want to create in your life? That bigger agenda. There was a simple, simple statement that one of my clients came up with long ago that I introduced with my clients when they're ready. Again, about this kind of acceptance piece. It's a very simple statement that reminds him of, you know what? I'm I'm dabbling in areas that are not in my control. And it's the simple statement of, it is what it is. So that could sound like a negative or defeatist. For him, it was really synthesizing and elevating and distinguishing. Okay, it is what it is. This is what's going on. I'm going to own it and I'm going to let go of it. I'm going to let go of trying to be something or do something that is just not in the realm of possibility. And then we can pivot to what is possible, open up new arenas. It's a declaration moment of, you know what, what I'm trying to do in here is not working. That's an acceptance piece that is so difficult for those of us with ADHD. We keep trying what we have learned in the past doesn't work, but with that executive function, the memory breakdown and the chasing the signals, we forget. We set that card catalog aside and we don't remember it. So coming back and to remember that, and again, to own that is really powerful. Cam, I love that example of that declarative moment, that 
shift for your client. My client who was building facades had a similar moment, but I think it's important to highlight that the moment didn't come immediately after realizing that she had been building facades her entire life. What came after she realized she had been building facades her entire life was grief. There was this intense feeling of, oh my goodness, this is what I've done my whole life and now I see it. I see that I have been repeating the same patterns that do not serve me for 40 years. What am I doing? And it can be really easy to get stuck in that place. You know, the, oh, I see the pattern now. And it's a stark reality when you see it. It was for me, Cam. I don't know if you remember when you and I were coaching together and I discovered some of my patterns. It's tough when you see those head on and you wonder how, how on earth did I not see this before? Did I not see that for not days, not weeks, not months, but for years of my life, I have been repeating the same broken patterns that don't work for me. And so I thought it was really important to call that out. When we got to facades, we got somewhere important, but we didn't get to acceptance yet. We had to take her new awareness about these old broken patterns of her and take this metaphor that works so well for her of facade building. And we had to do our work there first before we could step forward and before she could fully step into acceptance. Can you say more about some of the work you did with her there to help her kind of move from this, again, be in this place? Like we're not going to reject the grief or the, the feelings. I think that what people can think of, like, I just, you know, just get, make this, this uncomfortable moment, like make it go away and let's just get through it to acceptance. But what was the stuff that you were doing together with her to allow her to move through this process? It's a great question, Cam. So this is where curiosity enters the picture because she noticed facade building. And of course, immediately for her, that put her in the limbic system. They made her feel terrible, put her in grief, put her in emotion. So as her coach, my job was to bring her back to curiosity. So while she wasn't excited about the facades at first, I was. And I told her that. So this is key learning. This is good stuff. And I know it's upsetting to you in this moment, but just stay with me here. This is critical learning. This is a pivot point. And if you stay with me, you will see, as I see, that we have hit a critical turning point. And so we started to apply curiosity. Looking back at her lived experiences with this new learning of facades over and over again, topic to topic, which allowed us to start to create real change. And when the change started happening, she started to see the facades and see that metaphor the way that I saw it and the way that I knew it was right from the start as powerful learning and a great tool. And she started to let go of what could have been before as she was getting more excited about what was to come next. Right. And I appreciate that right there is this two-step process in acceptance is as you're moving forward, accepting your ADHD is, is about letting go of releasing what was and what's not to come. It is a grieving of that past person, but it's two steps. And in this two-step process, 
it's this middle ground that is very unsettling. We're dismissing or kind of closing out this chapter of this person with this identity and turning and pivoting. It can feel, it's sort of like a, the trapeze artist that's you know going from one trapeze and in the midair, like, okay, I hope that other person or that other you know, element is there that I can catch on to. So with curiosity, we've talked about the keen observer, is that as partners, we invite our clients that there's new knowledge to be learned and that we're going to do this together. We are acrobats and that we're, we're going to work on this together and that what we come up with is going to be good information. That we have to really, I think that so often my clients, especially the fast brainers, are coming in and are like, okay, you're going to help me out and, get, and, and figure out what's going on and, and solve the problem, solve this dilemma and fix my marriage and fix my work stuff. And, and we're done. And it's simple. And it's about moving forward. And in coaching, what we're looking at is, well, wait a sec, let's go back to that DAM model, D-A-M, in order to uncover the missing behavior. We've got to look at, well, how are you spending your time? When I ask my clients, well, how are you? Let's account for your time. Account in the sense of just what are you doing? If you're not being productive, what's going on? That's really hard for them to look at because there's shame and guilt and frustration there. And there's not good feelings. And it takes us into that really negative place. So some rules of engagement of don't judge, just observe. We want to see the patterns because those are the habitual elements there at play. We can't construct new habits if you're going to keep doing these other habits that you're not seeing. So it's seeing it, owning it, and dismantling that in order to go forward and build new processes, new practices, new habits. You said something really important in there and great language, by the way, all the way around. But I want to make sure that this doesn't get glossed over. It's not just about grieving the past self. It's about grieving who you're never going to be. So my client who used the phrase trying to pass as neurotypical, that was how she described her facade building, trying to pass as neurotypical. So part of stepping out of grief and into acceptance is recognizing that's never going to be true. But recognizing that that's never going to be true, that you're never going to be neurotypical, is a thing to grieve. Oh, some of this stuff is always going to be difficult for me. I'm never going to find the answer in the facades. I'm never going to function the way the people around me function. Some things are never going to make sense to me in terms of how the world operates. That's tough thing to come to grips with. Because our clients, our listeners, if you recognize yourself in this, when they're building their facades over and over again, they don't see that. They only see the front. There's this belief that they're getting closer or that someday it'll all click and things will come together. So it's our job as coaches not to build better facades, but to help you step around the side and to see that there's nothing there. And it's okay that if with that realization comes grief, because that's normal. I went through it in my own process of doing my own work. Cam went through it in doing his own process of doing his own work. And every one of our clients who shows up and wants to do 
the real work of creating change with us. We'll probably go through it at some point in our work together. That's okay. It's okay. And with that, there's also this, eventually you come to this place of kind of relief of, oh, wow, you mean I don't have to keep building facades? I don't have to keep trying what doesn't work? And we turn our attention to the structure of building structural elements to hold up that face of the building. But the key is the structural piece. It's those daily practices. It's learning about your ADD. And all of us have limited bandwidth to begin with. And ours is really spotty. So if we know like where to build, that's huge. Because that's, again, that's, that's, I so appreciate this metaphor here because I think that's indicative of the ADHD experience of building in areas that don't have lasting impact, of keeping up appearances to pass as timely and as functioning, air quotes, in what is permissible in our society. That's another thing that happens is with ADD, we're so externally wired, we're looking around us for examples. And what are the examples that are around us? Typically based in the thinking that you think a certain way. There's a pretty much of a straight line between point A and point B or thought A and thought B. And that's just not the case for us. But that meandering or taking the scenic route, some magical stuff can happen there. There's a pain element to that realization and to not do this by yourself. I've heard of a statistic that one in 12 individuals don't do well with mindfulness or meditation. One in 12. So 11 in 12, looking at or being mindful in a moment is very helpful. Developing that keen observer, that awareness. But one in 12, don't. The pain is too great. And that's where we say, go get support. You deserve it. You're deserving of support. And to go seek that support out, someone that can help guide you through that process. We're coaches. We're not therapists. But we are talking about grief today because we are change agents. We help people facilitate change that they want to have happen. And this is a healthy byproduct. For some of us, it's pretty straightforward. For others, it's a little more complicated. Because we're not just our ADHD. We're very complex human beings with all kinds of things that identify who we are, our experiences, our DNA, what's hereditary. If we've had experience with parents who have ADHD, it all plays into this. So this is your lived experience. And to stop and accept right now or take ownership of, okay, am I in a grief place? And how can I move forward here? So seeking community and support, being able to articulate your story, being able to articulate your story where you're just heard and not judged or, well, here's a fix. Have you tried this? Have you tried this planner? Have you tried this approach? Well, here's your problem. This is the stuff that's kind of in the field of depth beyond the lunch counter. And grief and this grief process is about linking cause and effect with your client and about owning that whole facade building. That's awesome lunch counter work of connecting how she's living her experience or experiencing it and what she's actually doing. 
Well said, Cam. And I appreciate you're throwing in that distinction between coaching and therapy, because I think in this grief place is often where for some clients on occasion, we discover that there is other work to be done, that there is work to be done outside of coaching. And that's okay too. A powerful example of this to articulate what I mean is I had a client for whom the place in which we were digging into her lived experience was college, because that was where it was useful to dig for the learning that we were looking for. That was where a lot of her stories were coming from as we were examining the topic at hand. And when we hit this grief place, she realized that there was also trauma in college that she was aware that was there. But for the first time, she was aware that she had work to do there first. And as coaches, we never prescribe therapy, by the way. Coaching is a co-created relationship. So this is something she and I decided together. She brought up the trauma. We talked about it in brief. We talked about whether or not she needed to do that work first in order to continue the work of change we were doing in coaching. We discussed it together. And for that particular client, the right move was to pause coaching, do her work around trauma. I have some clients who do their coaching work and their other work side by side. Many clients don't have other work to do or they've already done their other work because Many of our clients have tried therapy as a remedy for ADHD and along the way have done their other work in the other areas that would have needed to be addressed in order for us to be able to do the change work of coaching. So the point here is is we don't want to minimize the severity of this grief or the potential severity of it. It depends on who you are as a whole. What else is going on? As Cam said, you are more than your ADHD. For that client, that trauma lived outside of the ADHD. But the two experiences were so intrinsically linked that that work needed to be done first. And on that note, I think that's a great place for us to wrap for today, Cam. And by the way, this topic came up because someone in the Discord asked, how do you cope with the grief for your past self? So do know that we listen to our community and we listen to what it is you want to hear on the show. So if you'd like to join the Discord server... The way to do that is to visit the website, translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner, and for five bucks a month, you can both support the show and join our community of listeners who are doing their own understand, own translate work together. And we're adding a Q&A every other week, starting on the 14th. So we're really excited about this, a live Q&A with Shelly and or myself in the Discord. That's the new addition. Yeah. So twice a month, starting on the 14th at nine o'clock Eastern time, either Cam or myself will be there to video chat with our community for an hour, answer your questions and not just ADHD questions, by the way, if you have questions about the show, you know, and kind of what goes on behind the scenes between Cam and I to bring this show out, that's okay too. So we hope to see you at the Q&A, but either way, we'll see you next week. And until then, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.